Welcome to Running Polls. I'm Mayor Nagus. And I'm T Statman. If Coach ever heard what we were actually thinking or drinking, we would definitely be running. Leave the bats in still water. Carrie Everly just threw her <laughs> first career no hitter. This is a hustle play right here by Statman. And she gets in just under the tag. She drove that ball out deep to left center, and we've got a brand new ball game. Pulling the trigger on that looks like it could have been slightly low. With two strikes, that's one you have to protect on. I am here today, Tuesday is when we're doing this interview with Casey Stangle, Director of Operations for the Vanderbilt football team. Whoa. Uh, and we are just gonna we're gonna shoot the shit. So <laughs> so Casey like just how are things going at Vanderbilt I mean you have climbed the ladder I guess is the right the right way to say it <laughs> that's exciting that's a nice statement um things are going well at Vanderbilt they're the best like in terms of our department they're the best they've ever been which is pretty incredible um just from like arriving here in 2017 to now uh, it's just like the alignment between Candace's vision and uh, Chancellor Deermeyer's vision as well as our new football staff I think there's just a really high bar that we're setting for athletics for the first time and being able to just you know, feel that alignment, that push, knowing that we can be the best both academically and athletically, it, it's just pretty cool to be a part of Vanderbilt at a time like this. Now, you are the first true female director of operations in the SEC for football. That's pretty cool. That is true. I have learned. <laughs> <laughs> Does that, I mean, did that do anything like in the moment when you heard that for the first time, you're like, oh, that's cool. Or like, I mean, you just think of it as, as your job and you're there to do a job. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm kind of like, oh, wow, cool. Like back to work, <laughs> you know, but um, I think it's cool. And it says a lot about Clark Lee and just kind of like, he didn't know that either. And he like maybe two weeks into work, he was like, hey, did you know? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I didn't know either. Like, that's awesome. But like his just like, like he wouldn't have even thought like, oh, I have a female. Like, what does that mean? Like that we have like, I think 12 females on staff for football, which is obviously very different. Um, but it just says a lot about him and, you know, he just wants the best. And if that's a male or a female, he's going to, he's going to go after who, think, who, who he thinks is the best for the position. So I think it's pretty cool. How did that whole the whole job and conversation come about with coach Lee when he got there. Yeah. Uh, so I had actually met coach Lee before he got this job. He was over at baseball for a weekend. It might've been 2018 or 19. I can't remember, but that was the first time I met him and I was kind of touring him and showing him around and sat with him at training and kind of was with him throughout some of his day before he kind of had some one-on-one -on -one time with Corbs. And so that's how our relationship started. And then we kind of just randomly kept in contact. Like I'd just see Notre Dame stuff and 
thing to reach out or like come across his business card and be like, oh, I should see how Clark's doing. And like vice versa, he would always say like, you know, when we won in 2019 was very like reach out, say congrats, all that stuff. And so when he got this job, I texted him like congratulations on the position. And we kind of started talking and um, there's an opportunity for me to come take on this role in football. And I was so excited and honored that he would allow for me to hold such an important position in this program. Um, so it, it just kind of, we took off from there and feel like we've been rolling ever since. It's pretty exciting. It's so cool because your story and your whole connection with Vanderbilt, it's, it's the art of networking and being at the right place at the right time. <laughs> like when really? I spoke to you a few years ago about you taking on the position for Corbs on the baseball staff and asked you what that story was. And you told me, now I want you to tell everybody about that because I feel like anybody listening should, I mean, when the, when an opportunity presents itself to you, like you have to take it. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so if you can tell everybody how you met coach Corbs and just that whole, that whole initial conversation. Yeah. I mean, I ambushed. <laughs> so, um, you know, those who know my softball journey know that I started at Mizzou my freshman year. And, uh, during my freshman year, Vanderbilt baseball was playing Missouri baseball at Missouri. And I was a big fan of Tim Corbin and also like Carson Fulmer and Tyler Beatty and Dan, like not even in like a weird fangirl way and like a, oh my gosh, these guys are incredible way. And so when they were playing, I was like planted behind the home plate, watching these guys pitch and watching them play. And after the Sunday game, like as it's going on, I'm like, if Vanderbilt wins this series, I am going to go introduce myself to Corbs. Like my just overly confident way of being like, I need to go meet this guy. Like surely I can just walk on the field and go meet him. And so they won. And I was like, well, okay. Like it's meant to be, I'm going down to meet Corbs. And so like after the game, I, it was like the moment where all the kids run the bases. And so I was like, Oh, I'll just pretend I'm like a sister or a mom and like finesse my way on the field. And so I get down there and I just like went right up to Corbs and was like, hi, I, you know, my name's Casey. I play on the softball team here. I'm a huge fan. And so, um, I went down, talked to him, talked to Brownie, um, at the time, Travis Jewett was the hitting coach. Dave Macias was there, but in a different role. And so just um, went down there, met them, talked to them. And I told him, like, oh, I'd love to work in your program one day. And just kind of was like, you know, whatever. And kept in contact with Corbs. He followed me on Twitter that night. And I was like, oh, my God. Like Tim Corbin just followed me on Twitter. So like for the next two, like I ended up transferring that summer and I remember messaging him and being like, you know, 
I ended up transferring. I'm going to Washington, like hope all is well. And he responded and was like, I know Heather well, like she's an incredible coach. You're going to love playing for her. And so then I'm like, oh my gosh, he knows Heather. And so then like, come to find out that coach Tar and uh, Corbs like have a mutual mentor in their life. It was, it was cool. We just kept in contact throughout my time at Washington. And then my junior year, like I still have this email. I sent him the longest email known to man. And like, I laugh now because like I've seen all the millions of emails, like all the people shooting their shot to Corbs. And so like the fact that he responded, I was like, oh my gosh, but it was just like this like two pager of like why I want to come literally like sweep the floors for Vanderbilt baseball. And he was like, well, you know, we'd love to have, we'd love to have this conversation about you joining. Like, I think you have great energy or whatever he said, like, if you can get into grad school, let me know. And I was like, hmm, okay, great. So applied to grad school, got into grad school and then came out here and started grad school was like a unpaid graduate intern. Um, and like, started doing anything they'd let me like I was feeding the machine I was playing first base I was like putting in ticket requests like just doing anything and everything they'd let me do and then from there became the administrative assistant because the administrative assistant a really good friend of mine now Meg left to move to Denver because of just like her family things she moves to Denver in the middle of the season I just tell Corbs like allow me to try out for this position I've only been here a couple months, but like, I want to do this job, please let me. And he was like, well, you know, like we have some people that have applied and I'm like, just like, just give me the rest of the season. Cause she left in March. And I was like, just give me the rest of the season. Like, let me try. And I did it, ended up getting hired as the administrative assistant, wanted to take on more ops roles. Then my role eventually turned into internal ops coordinator, did that. At that point is when I kind of met Clark. And here we are. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I ambushed Tim Corbin and now I'm the football ops director. <laughs> yeah. In a nice office. A like, <laughs> that's what really matters. Exactly. You have a window so. in your office. I remember when we met and it was super awkward because I made you cry and I felt so terrible and, <laughs> and um but I that was when I found out that you were going to grad school at Vanderbilt and I was like I have to meet her I have to say something I have to be like I live in Nashville let's be friends yeah. <laughs> it worked you ambushed me so that's the story to all these young people out there just go ambush people you want to be connected to <laughs> right and I I just I remember I remember watching I mean I've watched Vanderbilt baseball for forever so the fact that I yeah. knew somebody personally like involved with Vanderbilt baseball that wasn't I mean, that didn't, didn't play. It's not, I didn't know. I don't think I have ever known anyone that played baseball at Vanderbilt. I've known, I, I graduated high school with some, with John Jenkins who played basketball there. I yeah. asked Wesley Tate to prom my senior year and he played Incredible. football there. Um, <laughs> That's so great. By the way, this is a terrible story and I'm going to tell it anyway, because I 
really have no shame. So I met, I met Wesley Tate because we both lived in Hendersonville and I was like, I just want a cool prom date. That's it. I just want a cool prom date. Like, I don't really care. Like I'm going at that point, I was going to Arizona state. Like I was like, I'm not going to see any of these people ever again. And, um, I, after a softball, after one of our high school softball tournaments, I, I had my whole softball team with me. He had two jobs in Hendersonville. He worked at Chili's and uncle Bud's catfish. And he said he was working. So I assumed he was at Chili's. And so we all went to Chili's after our game and I, my whole team was with me and we were, I was going to ask him to prom in like this magnificent way. He was working at uncle Bud's that night. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to go to uncle Bud's like, right. Uncle Bud's was a funeral home turned restaurant and that just, so I was like, no, I'm not going there. I'm good. I'm good. And, uh, and then I was like, well, you just go to prom with me. And that was like the whole reason why I took my whole team there. And we ended, he ended up not going with me, but that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's all good. But, but um, yeah, I remember I almost transferred to Vanderbilt after my freshman year of college. Um, and I just, but they don't have a journalism major. So I was so turned off by them right. not having a journalism major yet they produce so many sports journalists yeah. so um that was the only thing that turned me off to it but uh I love I I love hearing you tell your story it's fantastic so um so here we are um the day the women's college world series national championship series starts have you been able to watch at all I like have a tv in here so I've had it on and like you so Kayleen Curry our mental performance coach played softball at UMKC so we have this like little softball girl gang in here and so like the first the opening day she's like are you watching JMU and I'm like I'm watching and so like we're like I have it on and like yeah yeah. so I've been able to like periodically check in and obviously well not obviously but my best friend Vanessa Shippey coaches for OSU so like I've been watching every OSU game and so like oh I've been in and out of being able to like see what's going on and have have you been like following the the twitter talk and the social media talk about just like the the scheduling and the all of the dirty underlying issues i like i honestly well it's so funny because like when you talked to me about this i was like yeah like i wonder Like, maybe it's just like, oh, you've gone to both and that's fun. Like, let's talk about the World Series. And I was like, okay, sure. And then like that night I go on and I'm like, oh, now I know why she wants to talk about the World Series. So like, honestly, no, I hadn't seen much of it. But then I was like, oh, okay. Like there's, there's some things to talk about. So yeah, yeah, a little bit in waves. Yeah. So you experienced the women's college world series as a player. Yeah. And you experienced the college world series as a staff member. So a little different, but you're still getting the experience of both. 
So let's talk women's college world series as a player. How is that experience for you? I mean, so it's going to sound funny because now obviously the narrative's different. Um, but for me, it was incredible. It was like the most incredible thing, like in terms of softball that I'd been a part of, because it was the biggest stage like, you know, you show up, you get gear from, if you're Nike, from Nike or Under Armour or Adidas, like whoever your, mm-hmm. whoever your people are, um, you know, there's like this opening night dinner with all of the teams together, which is like, oh gosh, like there's all, you know, like you see the people you played with, or you like see the people that you kind of have like some beef with. And so it's like super dramatic and whatever, but it's exciting. And like, you know, the parents are there and you have ESPN shoots and like, it's, it's a production, right? Like you are a part of it thinking like, oh my gosh, this is, this is just like the most incredible thing that in terms of softball, like I've ever been a part of because it, it is, and it was like, it was all of that. So it is an incredible experience. It's the most people I ever played in front of in my career. Um, you know, all the little girls lining up for autographs was incredible. Um, so yeah, I mean, my experience, I like, I looked at, look at it, how I viewed that lens and was like, gosh, like how could it have gotten any better? You know? Yeah. I, um, and now you see that they, you know, they add an upper deck to the stadium. They, right. Even they remodeled, I, they remodeled the whole inside of the stadium too so where you do your media downstairs is all is very nice um and it's not just a little like closet space um right and um but like somebody asked me yesterday they're like what are what are the locker rooms like there are there locker rooms there like how many are there where are they (laughs) what right Right. And I mean, so there's like the two locker rooms. I don't know if it's changed, but for us, it was like, there's two locker rooms right in the main stadium. And like, you know, you got like a couple of like products from sponsors, which was cool. Um, but it's like, you know, you basically only use that for like a post game talk Mm -hmm. and then you head out. Um, you either go to media or you go to the bus, like you're in there, you talk about it post game and then you split. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, the other team is coming in as you are going out. And like, I remember that moment because when we were eliminated by Florida, I remember Oklahoma coming in and like having like a moment with Paige Lowry and just like giving her a hug and like, we never played together, um, but we knew each other. And so I just remember like, it was weird in the moment. Cause I'm like, I just had my last softball game and I'm here crying about to go talk to you and you make me cry. And then like, here comes Oklahoma and you're like, Oh gosh, like, right. you know, but, um, so yeah, that's the locker room situation. So you got, cause you softball teams at the world series. I feel like they, they arrived to the field dressed pretty much. Correct. Correct. You come in uniform yeah. or like in, you know, pants, socks and like, a, like a t-shirt a dry fit t-shirt that you might take off and then put your uniform right. on that's right. the case yeah yeah so now we're getting into this 
this whole thing with with like showering like needing right. showers at the ballpark right I'm like, which I don't which is just a, like it's a normal thing in baseball and like I think about it too like on a Sunday on a Sunday after a game in softball like a series you always shower at the school that's normal um when you're traveling and but in baseball like the guys would, the guys would do both. I remember because our hotel was so close, they'd go back in there mm-hmm. in their uniforms after the games too. But I think you probably had the option to shower and change there. There were more, um, there were like, it, it was some larger spaces, but obviously you have larger rosters. So like, that makes some sense. Um, and you know, like guys, guys would come in like shorts and a t- in a t-shirt and change, which we would have had the same opportunity to do that in softball yeah. if that's what we chose to do. But yeah, yeah, guys would have the opportunity to shower in those showers if they did choose to do that, if the team chose to do that. Yeah. And then with the I I like to call it the lack of pomp and circumstance at the women's college world series. Um you know, my, my first trip there just as media, I thought, okay, I'm going to the women's college world series for the first time. This is so exciting. Um, and I got there and I felt like severely disappointed in what all was going on around or nothing was going on around it. Really. You have a few vendors in the parking lot. Um, you have a lot of tailgating, which I'm a big fan of, but there's nothing over there. So it's not like you can go have a pregame beer at a bar or go, you know, walk the street and see what's going on. Like you just, you, you're there, like you're just at the ballpark here. Right. Right. And And that's like, that's what Omaha has done. Right. Is like, they, the biggest thing to happen to like Omaha in a year, I'm pretty sure is the men's college world series. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I remember in, in 2020 Corbs and Maggie took like a trip across the country and like stopped to see like all the people at the restaurants that they know from going to Omaha and all the restaurant owners are like, Oh, it's just a tough year because we don't have the world series. And like that town lives for the college world series like the there's like you know the bars around the stadium the restaurants around the stadium there's concerts going on like i have never seen anything like the vendors and the situation that exists in omaha around the baseball college world series it's incredible um and it is it's it's not that doesn't exist around the hall of fame stadium in oklahoma city that's it's not you couldn't even like compare the two in terms of just like what's around it right Right. and there's like a zoo by the yeah there's a zoo there's i think there's a there's a horse track and a casino and a and the the firefighter museum and um and just parking lots and from what i was told uh, a couple years ago was that the NCAA takes over the whole entire property for the women's college world series. So if you are trying to be a vendor 
and get onto the property, you have to be approved by the NCAA. And they like to keep that to their exclusive sponsors. So when it comes, okay. if like, if God forbid they had a food truck or anything like that, it would have to be approved by the NCAA. So, but I think when, when I've been reading these stories, like from the New York times and the Washington post about the inequity between the women's college world series and, and baseball, it's like, you can't, you're comparing apples to oranges. Yeah. I mean, right. Like you're, it's hard. Cause like in so many ways I'll argue, like I I'm the worst because I'll argue like baseball and softball are so similar. And I'll also argue baseball and softball are not. So it's like, you know, what, what about it? It's similar. Like I'm talking swings, I'm talking, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But at the same time, there are like, they're two right. different sports um, with two different followings. And we can, you know, look into a couple of different places for that. Like, let's talk about TV schedules, you know, like before we, before, like, okay, you're going to get fans. If these games are shown on channels and times where like people are able to consume the sport, right? Like look what happened when Washington and Oklahoma were on ABC. I think there was like 900,000 viewers. Like it's incredible. Is it surprising to me? No, because like they're on the channel that people watch and it's, an incredible sport to watch and they had people had the opportunity to see it to see it and that's great and it's great for the sport sport needs that um but the events are so completely different in terms of like how it's always been like Omaha has always been like what it is and that doesn't mean that there's not room for improvement with softball but they are very very far apart right now and the stadium growth is incredible, right? Like they just redid that stadium and now there's room for more people to go watch. Um, but even now there's a rain delay, but even I was upset last night watching Alabama and like there weren't, the place wasn't packed. And like, you know, I'll say at, in Omaha when there's rain delays, like the people come back, people show up. Now there's stuff going on around the stadium to keep the people there. So there's a conversation to have. Um, but you know, we're like, it's still, we're still growing and there's a lot of things that need to be done to allow softball to continue to grow. It needs to get the attention that it deserves. And it, you know, it, there's, there's spaces for this to continue to improve. Um, but yeah, I mean, they are, they are very different and there's a lot of arguments you can make back and forth, but I do think that you know, we can do better in, in some areas to help the sport of softball and to help it be more equitable between the two. Yeah. I just recently moved to Omaha and I live 10 minutes from TD Ameritrade and I go down, we, you know, we drive downtown every now and then. Um, just, I remember when I first got here, I wanted to go see the ballpark. And I was just like, you know, I just, I've heard about Omaha my entire life like let me go see it what it what does this thing look like and you just get the vibe down there that when it's time like it's a good time (laughs) it's on on. I mean that place is insane like I have this picture in my office I'm looking at like the stadium when we won like this place is like nothing you've ever seen like 
it is an experience to go to Omaha during the World Series. And people love Omaha and the, the rich tradition that comes with it. You don't have to be a fan of any of the teams playing. You just buy the season ticket for the tournament. And you go and you go and you see that on TV. You see that the stands are full. And yeah. then, like you said, last night you're watching Alabama and Florida State. They show an aerial shot of the stadium and it's not even half full. Right. And so while we sit here and we can we can talk about the growth of softball. Yes, it has. It has grown tremendously. But my unpopular opinion um, is that the Women's College World Series is very dependent on Oklahoma and Oklahoma State right now. Yeah. And yeah. With, without them, they don't sell out. Right. No, you're spot on. And it's so funny that like that's the opinion you take because I was like, okay, I'm going to be. I'm a little nervous talking about this because I was like, I'm going to have this unpopular opinion. And hey, I am as pro softball, if not more than anyone. But, but like, there's some differences and mm-hmm. people are showing up for things in baseball that they're not showing up for in softball. Now, like I said, like we can create an atmosphere, we can get people to start watching the sport in ways that then grows the fan base, but it's not there yet. It needs to get there. It should get there. I want it to get there, but it's not yet. Yeah. So now we're like, okay, so we're getting ratings. We're getting the eyes on the sport. And so this is our, this is our biggest week of the year where we are prime time every single day of the tournament. And if you want, new people to come to the tournament who maybe don't have a team, but you know, want they could end up seeing a team like JMU make a run. Right. How, how do we keep them coming back? Because if I'm a fan and I'm making that trip to Oklahoma city, yes, I love that it's hall of fame stadium and I can go to the, the USA softball hall of fame one day, but like you do that one day, like that's right. it. Um, you know, it's, if I, if I want to stay there, I feel like it's, it's gotta be on uh, the NCAA and USA softball together have to create an environment outside of the stadium to keep people there. hundred percent. Because like, I remember walking around on one of our off days, uh, in 2019 with Vanderbilt, at you know like in Omaha I remember walking around to the vendors and just like talking to people and like oh have you gone to the games and they're like oh no you know we didn't buy tickets but we come every day like (laughs) well there you go I mean like no no offense or no negative statements about Omaha or Oklahoma City but like you know there's there's not it's not like living in Nashville where you have like endless opportunities of things to do like in Omaha, in June, the thing to do is to be at TD Ameritrade. Yeah. And like, you could say the same thing in Oklahoma City if you offer the things around it to draw the people in. Like, right. you know, what else are you doing in Oklahoma City? I don't know. There are enough people to draw fans to be around there and just be fans of the sport if you give them things to do. I completely agree. Yeah. Especially when you're in 
when you're in Oklahoma during that time of the year, you're, you're bound to have a rain delay at least right during the tournament. Right. So go to a restaurant, go to Blotts, right? Like that's the place, right? It's out of TD Ameritrade. Like, oh, people go there. There's an ice cream place. So there's a million vendors and games. It's a baseball carnival that like takes over the entire downtown area for two weeks in the summer. Yeah. And there's not even, when you go into downtown Oklahoma city, where the teams stay, where the, where the team hotels are, there's not even a sense of like, oh, the Women's College World Series is in town. Like, oh, yeah, no, it takes over the town. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. In baseball and in softball. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I remember we had a we had a day off with Washington and we went out to find a place to eat. And they're like, oh, like, who are you in town playing like Oklahoma? And we're like, no, we're in the World Series. And they're like, oh, that's great. You know, yeah. but it was just like. You know, it's not their fault, but it's different. Like if you went out, if you took a team somewhere in Omaha, like Omaha knows why you're there. Right. I mean, I just my short time of being in Omaha so far, I've gone into some of the shops that are down there. And like, I know we texted about it. Um, right. There you go. Right. And, and this guy, this guy owns his, owns his store he makes jewelry for the tournament and he sets up shop outside so that people can come buy rings, necklaces. I mean, you name it, he's got it. And he makes jewelry for the moms of all the baseball players and the coaches wives. And like, he's just, he's got his shit together. And that's how he, he's like, it's my biggest week of the year is Omaha. He goes, because not only do I make all this stuff for the moms and the wives and the girlfriends and whoever, but they come back and right. yeah. they keep buying. So I was like, well, you, yeah, like you make a good point. And, um, I just, I, I've never had that feeling in Oklahoma. I just, I know that I felt like the last time I was there was 2019. So the last, the last world series it, UCLA won, And I grew up a UCLA fan and I just felt like, I felt like it had come full circle for me and there was nothing else for me to see. Like right. Right. I've seen my team win the world series. I have, I've drank in the parking lot with everybody and anybody. Um, I've, gone through a severe thunderstorm warning, a tornado watch. Um, I've gone through it all. I've sat in the car with, I sat in the car with the barn Hills to oh. wait out a rain delay because I was like, I don't have a car. Right. And like, I, I mean, what am I, what are we going to do? Um, so I just, I, it, I felt like I felt like you were the perfect person to talk about all of this with, because like you've, you've experienced both in a firsthand fashion. And so, um, when it comes to comparing the two, I'm like, even there's a local sports talk guy in Nashville who wrote about, he tweeted about, um, the lack of, um, network coverage that the baseball regionals were getting. Mm -hmm. I was like, I mean, you're not wrong, right. uh, but 
the women's college world series is going on at the same time and that's going to draw more eyes than than a regional a regional with you know right state and right well and what what kills me about these like I was just thinking this through last night because we were trying to watch the old dominion virginia game yes and for baseball the super um or i'm sorry the regional to go to supers and it's it oh gosh it's over i wonder who won um it started no maybe not it started this morning at eight and it's tuesday but the point is that they gave them till tuesday to play out the game right yeah well let's go back to oregon versus texas in regionals where oregon goes and beats texas and now they have to play another game and at the end of that game like that first game they're like well if oregon wins they're going to need to get this game in or uh, texas is going to need to get this game in in the next hour or they're going to automatically let oregon move on to supers because they didn't get the game done in time and I was like, are you kidding me? And then they go ahead and start that game at like 11 o'clock at night mm-hmm. because it's supposed to rain the next day. And they're like, well, we're not going to wait a day. We're going to make them start a game that will move these teams on to super regionals at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, how could you not allow that game to get played the next day? This is postseason softball. Mm-hmm. Like, this is ending people's careers or moving them forward into the postseason. I'm like, who knows what happens? Maybe Oregon gets a good night's sleep and wins the next day. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know that. And Texas is an incredible team. Like, I'm not, it's not to say that, you know, whatever. The point being is like, we're playing a regional on a Tuesday in baseball right now. And they're, they're shoving in a game at 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday for Oregon and Texas to move on to supers. Yeah. So like that there's an issue. That's something I'm frustrated about. Or even the Florida state, Oklahoma state game. Exactly. Exactly. At 11 50. It's a world series. Are you like, and I get it. And that happens in baseball. Like I'm here to say yeah. we started a game at nine o'clock at night at the world series. And I get, you got to keep things going, but like, especially like with a regional, like play on Monday, like, you know, drives, yeah. whatever. I don't know. I just thought that was ridiculous. There's plenty of time for a regional for you to get from point A to point B. If you need to, right. Like, if you need to push it, back right. day, push it back a day. Um, because Right. At that point, but also at that point, school is out for everybody. Where whereas when when you're playing right. softball right. regionals, school is still in for some. So I think they were showing they uh, yes, showed a graphic for the for Lindsay Meeks from JMU because she started PT school. So she like they went to the Knoxville regional and from the Knoxville regional, she left to start PT school in Ohio met the team in Missouri. Wow. I mean, she was just going all over the place. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, is there, is now, now we're all searching, right? We're like, how do we, how do we, we start? <laughs> now we're yeah. like, how do we remedy this situation? Do yeah. we push back the timing of it to where 
Right. And it's not ideal. Like I'm not here saying like, oh, it's as easy as this. I get it. Yeah. But, but like, you know, there's some things that we could probably think through a little bit differently. There's some room for improvement. Yeah. So I went ahead and yesterday I, I live three miles from the first ballpark to host the NCAA division one women's college world series. It was originally hosted in Omaha for the first six years. It Mm. was played in Omaha at a quad. I mean, (laughs) it is like, it's not a stadium. It's not anything. It is literally, it's a quad. And I was like, should we really be complaining? Right. Look how far we've come since 1982 right for sure and like that's that's just it that's important to know like it has gotten better yes and it needs to just keep getting better yeah we just like we're not here to say it's perfect right now right like it's gotten better it needs to keep getting better right so i think as far as it getting better and creating a better experience for the fan maybe instead of comparing and saying oh well baseball gets this and we don't well how about maybe we take a page from baseball and say what can we learn from baseball love yes 100 percent. that's exactly what it has to be it can't be like looking at this and saying well you know this is what they get no like let's let's look at where we're at and let's let's compare or not compare but just like take a look at it look back at ourselves and find a way to get better. Yeah. So instead of focusing on lack of showers at the facility, I mean, that seems to be a big thing. Um, Instead of focusing on that, let's see, like, how do we get more vendors? How do we, how do we create an environment that will keep people there and bring more people? Because now they've got, they've got the seating. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just something to ponder on. I think actually I know I'm gonna go down to the World Series when it lose it. I I'm planning ahead, fingers crossed. I'm flying back to Nashville this afternoon in a few hours. I'm grabbing both my white and my black Vanderbilt jersey. (laughs) And I'm gonna go cheer on my van boys after this weekend let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I, so I, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I think also before we wrap this up, um, let's just touch on the subject the other day. Um, Chris Lee from bandysports.com, um, posted a thread that said he had been hearing internal things, uh, that Vanderbilt is, is discussing bringing softball, to West end. Um, what is your initial thought when you, when you heard that and read that? I mean, I'd be energized by a softball team at Vanderbilt. I, that would like make my world complete. Um, I have not heard anything about it. I know that I would love to hear something about it. Um, I always wonder where Chris Lee gets his inside information, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if that is a conversation that's happening, 
there is an internal supporter of that message. So I think everybody knows that on my end. Yeah. If Vanderbilt is the last school in the SEC um, to, to quote unquote, have softball if they have it. Um, and I feel like with what Duke just did this year in year four, I think that's kind of the model, at least from the academic standpoint that you have to look at. Mm-hmm. But then Vanderbilt has a different scholarship model <laughs> to for some. Me. Well, I, I okay. So yeah. you want uh, <laughs> to talk, talk about energized about a conversation. Here I am with that one. Um, I hold back on Twitter from sharing my feelings, but I mean, we do have an incredible financial aid situation at Vanderbilt and that's just a fact. Anyone can Google that, but I will say like, I'm here to tell all the people that say Vanderbilt baseball has 50 scholarships. Like one, we have the same amount of scholarships as everyone else. That's the NCAA. So, you know, operating under that. And then two, do I need to move? Can you hear this? Are they drilling? <laughs> okay, so that's one. <laughs> two, we have a financial aid system that is going to help families with a certain uh household income that, you know, if they hit a certain point, they're going to get financial aid, but we're talking like 40 to 50% of $75,000 a year. So like, yes, you're going to get a certain percentage of tuition covered through Vanderbilt's financial aid, but you still end up paying the same amount as going to like an in-state institution. Like, let's just say we're competing with like, you know, Georgia. Okay. Let's talk about the hope scholarship situation let's talk about in-state tuition like you know yeah yeah it's gonna help but it's not like we're just over here putting everybody on scholarship like these kids are going into debt right getting 50 percent uh you know and it's not a negative on opportunity Vanderbilt like what Vanderbilt's financial aid system has created is incredible yeah but it is not like this crazy advantage in recruiting that's all that like i'm saying on that but yeah that is a separate conversation yeah uh, the point though if there was a softball team in nashville at vanderbilt i think it'd be the best i think it'd be the top job in the country i mean 100 uh, it's, it's a it's a recruiting pitch but let me let me tell you it is a fact that this is one of the top 15 academic institutions in the country, mm-hmm. in the top, oh, this is so hard to say, in the top conference in the country, <laughs> <laughs> overall, overall in the best conference in the country, I will admit that. We can talk about softball later, but um, yeah. in the athletic conference in the country, in one of the fastest growing cities and top most dynamic cities in the country and not to mention in the last five years this like five hour radius around nashville 
look at the development of softball in this area. Yeah. Now, like, I, I bet it's, you know, it's all, there's always been talent over here, but, you know, go back eight years, like, where are you recruiting? Southern California. Like, that's just it, right? But in the last five years, if people start coming over here more and saying, like, whoa, 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 like, there's players over here. And mm-hmm. when you put a five-hour radius radius around Nashville, and even if you want to, like, expand that out a little more, like, the areas that you hit and the areas that you can recruit at a school like this are incredible. And you can also pull people from the West Coast to Nashville. Like, people oh, want to yeah. come to Nashville. The direct flight situation from Nashville, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you could sit and sell this all day. This would be one of the top jobs in, in college softball if there was an opportunity to create a team here. There, there's no doubt in my mind it would succeed quickly. Awesome. Well, I hope that. So I do have a little bit of energy towards the softball right. team. <laughs> I, I hope that whoever is Chris Lee's internal source is correct. And that. that I do too. I do it, too. And that we could be talking the next time we were on a podcast together that we could be talking about the beginning of Vanderbilt softball. I would be here for it. I love it. So. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. And um, good luck with football. And uh, well, I, I know I'll be watching the rest of baseball, so anchor down. Yeah, and you better be at a football game this fall and oh, tell yeah. your friends, fill the stands with black and gold. Absolutely. So, all right, anchor down. Anchor down. Give us a five-star rating and subscribe to the Running Pulse podcast on your favorite podcasting service. Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even Apple Podcasts. Woohoo! Please give us a five-star review and leave a little comment so we know that you're listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Running Pulse Pod and on our website at runningpulsepodcast.com.